Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. I was told that today at Market Street Church was beach day, is what I was told. So nobody else wore their Hawaiian shirt. What happened? You didn't get the memo? about this, and then I later I find out it's for Kids Church, Beach Day and Kids Church. And so anyways, maybe I didn't get the memo. So we're starting a, a, a brand new series that we call Make a U-Turn, is what we're going to talk about here. And so we, we're, we're, today we're going to look at, there was a certain king in the Bible, he was the, the king of, of Israel. He was the seventh king of Israel. And what it says about him is, is it says in 1 Kings uh, 16, 30, it says, Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. I mean, so this is the description. This is what was written about King Ahab in the Bible about who he was and what, you know, what he was about. And, um, and, and it, wasn't that, it wasn't that God didn't give him so much opportunity to make a U-turn. God gave him so many incredible things and experiences that he saw firsthand to give him an opportunity to get his, his life back on track and to, you know, honor God as his, you know, as his, you know, great, 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 great grandfather did David, you know, and, and honor God in his life. And on and, and, and one occasion, he even um, was started to have a, a worship this, with this idol was called Baal. Uh, it was called Baal, and and so they they had all this these uh, prophets of of Baal, and uh, and and the prophet at the time, God's prophet uh, at the time, his name was Elijah, and Elijah challenged uh, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel to a sort of a, a a showdown between you know their their God of Baal and the one true God Yahweh, and so there was a showdown that happened, and uh, and so they show up to this mountain. And 400, it says 450 prophets of Baal show up. There's this mountain called Carmel. And, and then Elijah just shows up. Just, just little old Elijah shows up. And they said, here's what we're going to do. Here's, the, here's what's going to happen. We're, you're going to build an altar to your God. And then, and then, and then you know, if, if, the, if your God consumes the altar, the, then I'll worship your God. But then if he doesn't, then I'm going to build an altar to my God. And if my God consumes the altar, then that, that's who you should worship. And so they, they, they built their altar and they put their, their you know, ox on their, their altar and did everything that was instructed to do for this altar. And they're praying and they're doing all these crazy things to try to get their God to, to consume you know, their altar by sending basically fire down from heaven to consume this ox that was laid on this altar. And, and it's, it's, it's amazing. You can read about it in First Kings chapter 18. Um, Elijah's talking trash. Elijah's like taunting them. Like, where is your God? He must have went for a walk. Or, you know, he, went, he, he must be sleeping right now. You know, like, where is your God? And then after a long time passed, nothing happened, nothing happened. So Elijah builds his altar. And he puts, he not only did, does he build his altar with wood, and he places his ox on that altar, but he even digs a trench, and he puts 
you know, a bunch of water in this trench to, and he soaks his altar and he soaks it in with this full of trench. And then, and then Elijah prays to the God of Yahweh, God of Yahweh, the one true God. And he sends fire down from heaven and consumes the altar along with all the water that was in the trench. Uh, it was just an amazing story. And Ahab was a witness to that. And at that moment, Ahab should have made a U-turn, but he didn't. He didn't. On another occasion, Ahab, just, a, it, it, just in the, uh, chapter 20 of 1 Kings, Ahab uh, told, God came to Ahab and said, I'm going to give you this victory. And, and all you need is versus, you know, uh, 7,000 men uh, you know, versus you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of, of men. See, King Bahinadad um, rallied and, 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 you know, sort of, you know, came together with, a, with some other kings in that area, and they assembled a, a massive, a massive army, and God did a miracle in King Ahab to defeat King Bahinadad and the Syrian army and all the other kings that were joined together with him that day. As a matter of fact, something happened to where, you know, even just 7,000 of, of Ahab's men, you know, where, where God allowed them to be, you know, run into uh, a city called Aphek. And in the city of Aphek, that, that God caused, just like Jericho, God caused the walls to fall down on some, somewhere around 26,000 men of Ben-Hinnadad's men that day. And King Ahab was given the victory, but it wasn't King Ahab that had anything to do with it. It had everything to do with God. And it was just another opportunity for King Ahab to make a U-turn, and he didn't. And I don't know how about you, but I don't know how many times we have opportunities to make U-turns in our life where we see God's faithfulness, and we see God's grace, and we see God's kindness and there's opportunity for us to say, you are in control, you are in charge, you are the one that I should follow, you are worthy of my praise, you are the one that I should lay my life down for, you are the one that I should build my, the, my life on your foundation, and oftentimes we choose not to. And so this is about making U-turns, and it's about you. So on one occasion, again, Ahab, son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And on one occasion, God raised up a prophet. We don't know his name. But God raised up a prophet, and he sent this prophet to go and to speak to Ahab for a third time. Who knows? Maybe even more than that. And, he, and he, what he did was is that he wanted this prophet to really bring some drama to, to, the, to the illustration. You know, and, and I love this about this prophet because I love illustrations. You know that. You've been around me long enough to know that I love a good illustration. And so God tells this prophet, hey, I want you to, I want you to really illustrate this. So I want you to go and I want you to find a bystander and I want you to ask that bystander to beat you up. This is in the Bible. 
He said, I want you to find somebody to beat you up and to pummel you to where you look like you just got off a battlefield, like you just got off a war because that's what I want you to pretend like you were, like you were on a battlefield, like you were warring against the enemy, and I just want you to look like that even though you weren't on a battlefield. I just want you to look like that. So I want you to go find somebody and ask somebody to pummel you for a while. So the prophet goes out, hey, would you beat me up? And the, and the, and the bystander goes, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And, and, and the prophet said to the man who wasn't willing to beat him up, well, because you're not willing to heed the word of the Lord, when I leave, a lion's going to come and going to devour you. And he did. So then he asked the next guy, will you beat me up? And the guy just started pummeling him right on the spot. This is in the Bible. You should read it. It's amazing. And then after he gets pummeled by some random bystander because he just saw the other guy that refused to do it get eaten by a lion, he's standing there and he catches the attention of King Ahab as King Ahab is heading back to his palace in Syria or Samaria. And as he's heading back to his palace, it says this, and we're going to pick it up in 1 Kings 20, 39. As the king passed by, he cried to the king and said, your servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and he brought a man to me and said, guard this man. If for any reason he is missing, then your life shall be before his life or else you shall pay a talent of silver, which was like in our terms, like a half million dollars. Like this is this, no, no amount of money of a soldier could, could be able to afford that. So somebody, so here's his story. King Ahab comes by. He catches the attention of King Ahab. He says, hey, hey, King Ahab, I just got to tell you, while we, I was out on the battlefield, and he wasn't really, while I was out on the battlefield, somebody asked me to guard a prisoner of war. And they said that he was an important prisoner of war that I needed to guard. And, you know, Ahab, listen, I guarded him for as long as I could. I, I did everything that I could. I tried to, you know, make sure that he didn't get anywhere. But then all of a sudden, he was gone. And, and he was missing. And he's telling Ahab this. He's making up a story. Why is he doing that? He says, so then verse, verse 40, While your servant was busy here or there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said to him, so shall your judgment be, you yourself have decided it. Verse 41. Then he hastily took the bandage away from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him that he was one of the prophets. So the prophet went through this whole ordeal to get Ahab's attention to tell Ahab something that was very, very important. He made up a story to say, I was responsible to guard someone, and I let that someone slip away. I was, even though, man, he could have said, I spent 99% of the time paying attention to who I'm supposed to guard, but then that 1%, I wasn't paying attention. I got busy here or there doing this or that, and I let him slip away. And what God wanted Ahab to understand was, was something that is very, very important. Very, very important. 
You and I, and this is about you and me, you and I, right? This is about us. You and I have the most important job in the world. We, you and I. Now, as a matter of fact, Elijah came back to Ahab and tells him this in 1 Kings 21.20. Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. So this is a, a message to King Ahab, but more importantly, this is a message to you, and this is a message to me. Here it is. You are meant to guard the most difficult person on the planet. And you're like, finally, a message about my spouse. <laughs> oh, good. I need to know how to care for these kids. They are like, I don't know how to guard. It isn't about your spouse. It isn't about your kids. It isn't about your soccer coach. It isn't about that administrator. It isn't about that colleague that you work with. You are meant to guard the most difficult person on the planet to guard, and that is you. You. And the illustration that that prophet wanted to give to Ahab that day was, you needed to guard yourself from doing evil, and you let yourself slip away and even when you were guarding yourself the majority of the time it was just in that those small subtle moments where we've let our life sort of slip through the cracks and you know how that happens you know how this happens to us when we sort of let our lives our our our, our true self the the the, the person that uh, that god wants you to be do you know that you have a, a, a true self, a true identity, a, a, a purpose that God wants you to be? That he, he is in, He's created you. He's made you. He's formed you. He's put breath in your lungs. He's given you the power of the Spirit of God inside of you so that you can realize who you're always intended to be in Christ Jesus. The old heart, the hard heart is gone. Now you have a new heart, a soft heart that, that, that is about God and is God wanting to do a work in you from the inside out. There is a version of you that can't be missing. And the most important person that you have to guard from allowing your life to sort of slip away to allowing the, the virtues of your life and what God wants to do in your life to slip, slip away, you and I have to guard ourselves from something that is so important. Look what he tells him happened when he let him, his made-up character, he let him slip away what he was trying to share with Ahab. Look what he tells him what happens. Look at, back to verse 40. While your servant was busy. Type that in the comments, those are why. While your servant was busy, here and there he was gone. Does that remind us of anything in our culture today? And maybe right now in, in a pandemic world, you're like, I'm not all that busy, but we're starting to. We're starting to get 
back into things are going and things are happening and, you know, sports are being, uh, are on and, and, you know, people are coming, going back to work and all, all the things, you know, it, uh, things are opening up and all the things. Like, listen, it, it, I don't want us to get caught in the trap of getting busy like we once were and then ult- ultimately losing what we're supposed to be in Christ. And so he says, while your servant was busy here or there, he was gone. He was gone. And so he tells him, he says, listen, verse 39, he says this. He says, guard this man. If for any reason he goes missing, then your life shall be, shall be forfeited in the place of, of his life. There's, there's this, this, this dual battle going on. Don't let who God wants you to be. Don't let what God wants you to do. Don't let what God's purposes are. Don't let what you're becoming in Christ. Don't don't forfeit that because you're too busy. Because you have too much going on. Because you got to go this here and you got to go there. For whatever reason, listen, whatever reason, we need to guard ourselves. We need to guard ourselves. We need to be aware. We need to watch out. We need to keep, be on alert. We need to know that we live in a world where, where there's the lust of the flesh and there's the lust of the eyes and then there's the pride of life, right? We need to, we need to know that it's so easy for us to get distracted and to get pulled in this direction, to get pulled in that direction, to lose focus on what's most important in our life and that's our relationship we have with Jesus, and we need to guard this person for whatever reason. And all of us could have different reasons of why we feel like we've neglected and we, why we've lost who God really wants us to be. And we find ourselves in a place in our lives where we go, how did I get here? How did I get here? It's not what I was years ago. And all of a sudden, I'm here. Maybe you got busy and you didn't guard the thing, the most difficult person to guard. You. You. Jesus said it this way. Here's how Jesus worded it. Mark 8. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit a soul. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but yet forfeit a soul? And then he asks this great question. For what will a man give in exchange for a soul? And all of us would say, well, nothing. Not for my soul. And then Jesus would say, really? Then why is that thing most important? Why is this amount of hours most important? Why is this, you know, recreational thing most more important? Why is this relationship more important? Why is this accumulation of that more important? Why is this size of thing more important? Why is it that you're emphasizing the importance of and the time that you're dedicating to and the money that you're spending on? Why are you trying to put that into a storage of, of hey, this is what makes me feel like I have, I'm productive. 
productive. This is what makes me feel like I can be fulfilled and satisfied. And Jesus would say, listen, what will a man give in exchange for a soul? And their answer is nothing, nothing. So why do we act otherwise? The, the soul he means by the soul, what he means is your true self. That's the root of that, that word soul, your true self who God wants you to be. Now, I know, I, I get busy, you get busy. We all have lives, we have schedules, we have things we gotta do. But why do we, why do we like to be busy? Ever thought about that? You don't, you don't need to think about it. These are things that I have to think about because I, I just wanna remind you of why we like to be busy. I mean, here's the reason why we like to be busy. Well, fear of missing out. FOMO is the term it's out, that's called out there, right? FOMO, fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out. It, it, they're doing it. They're going. They have it. They, you know, I don't want to miss out. It looks like that's, that looks like a lot of fun. Or that looks like I don't want my, you know, the kid to be mad at me. We know when, they, when he's, you know, 20 something. Like, why didn't you let me do this? Or let me, like, I, I just don't want, I, it's a fear of missing out is one of the reasons why we like to be busy. Another reason why we like to be busy is because it feels like you're winning. It feels like you're winning. I'm busy. I'm productive. I'm doing something, right? It, you know, it feels like you're, 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 you're winning. It, you know, that's why, you know, one of the things that people ask you about you is like, what do you do? What do you do? Because it, because it, it gives value to us. It gives value to our, li our lives, or at least we think it does. And so when some, you know, so somebody asks you, like, what do you do? You're like, oh, I do this. And like, ooh, and you know, you, you know, like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm working like 60 hours. Like, we take pride in like saying, I work 60 hours a week this week. Yeah, you know? like, like, I'm a, like, wow, man, you really work hard. Wow, that's great. You know, because it makes us feel like you're winning. Nobody ever says, you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at sleeping in. I'm really good at sleeping in. I, you know what I'm good? I'm really good at making an average dinner. Nobody says these things. Because nobody takes pride in the, you know, the mundane or nobody takes pride in the status quo. We, we, we feel better when we're busy and we're productive and we're doing something. That's why we like to be busy. Another reason why we like to be busy is it, it fending off negative emotions. We stay busy, our mind gets occupied about a task that we're doing, and it, and it forces us to not think about the negative and the difficult and the challenging things that we're just sort of pushing down or brushing under the rug. So we fend off the negative emotions, and so by fending off the negative emotions, we just keep busy. And being busy makes us feel good, but it's also burning us out. I don't know about you, but I have limitations. I get burnt out. I know, and, and isn't, isn't that true about life? Isn't life sometimes has, there's limitations in life? Why? There's limitations in life because it prevents us from doing something dangerous or doing something bad. There's guidelines. There's guardrails. There's margin. There needs to be that. Why? Because it gets us from going off track. It gets, it gets us from preventing, preventing danger. 
So we all need limitations. And you do this. There's speed limitations, right? Right? Go beyond the speed limit. You're going to make people in your car nervous. There's, there's limitations that you give to your children when it comes to their screen time, right? There's limitations when it comes to, you know, whatever the television or, or tablet or whatever it is, phone use or whatever the kids, there's always these limitations. Why? Because we know that it prevents from danger. It prevents from danger. All of us have limitations. And, and if we're honest, we're adults. We need limitations. We need to look at our schedules. We need to look at our busyness of going here or there before we let our true self slip away. So Jesus gives us a clue on what to do when it comes to busy and how to break the habit of busy and how to create limitations and guidelines in our life to help us from not allowing ourselves, the most important thing, for allowing yourself not to slip through the cracks and lose the true self of who God wants you to be. So today is an opportunity when it comes to this is for you and for me to make a U-turn. And as things start opening it back up and things returning back to whatever the new normal is, but the new normal will still be busy, Let's pause and say, am I creating this? Am I putting these things in my life to prevent me from going back to and allowing myself to get lost and be missing to who God wants me to be? So Jesus clues us in. Here's what, he, here's what happens with Jesus. On many occasions, I could give you a dozen of these verses of what Jesus said. But, new, but news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Now, talk about responsibility. Talk about obligation. Talk about expectation, right? All of us have it. You have responsibilities. You have obligations. You have expectations. I mean, here's people going, wow, wow. He's like healing people. He's like restoring the sight to the blind. I mean, the, the, the lame are now walking again. The lepers are now cleansed. I mean, wow. I mean, even we're hearing that he's bringing dead people back to life again. And news about him was spreading further and further. Large, large crowds of people were gathering to just hear him. And how can they be served by him and you would have felt like, like I would have felt, the obligation and the expectation to meet every one of those needs, right? If you're in the room, like you have the, the, the ability to heal somebody. If somebody came to you and, you're like, and they're like, listen, I'd love to be able to see. I believe that you have the power and the authority to do that. I don't know how, but you do. And, and I believe that you can. And, 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 and for you to just turn your back on that, I mean, that would be hard. The responsibility, the obligation, the expectation that people place on us, it gets weighty. But look what Jesus does. Next verse. But Jesus himself 
would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Huh? What, the responsibility, the obligation, the expectation? I mean, come on. Jesus, there, there's people that you've, you started, you opened up this can of worms, Jesus. We know what you can do. And I expect you to be there and to be available. And I expect you to do what you did for him. Why, why would you do for him? I mean, he's, he's like way worse than me. You know, like he's like not a nice person. I know he, he's like stolen things out of the market. You know, and me, I'm like a good person. Why would you heal him? And not like, can you imagine these are the things? But Jesus clues us in to help us understand how to manage busy so that we don't let the true self of who we're called to be slip away. And it says that Jesus himself would just often slip away to the wilderness and pray. You know what's so difficult these days? It's difficult to, for us to hear God's still quiet voice over the roar of the 21st century crowds. It just is. I mean, you go back to 1 Kings. I mean, you have 1 Kings 18, which is Mount Carmel, miracle, prophets of Baal versus God, the one true God, Yahweh, and, and some amazing, incredible thing that happened there. And, you know, Elijah, you know, leaves that place, and then he gets word from Ahab's wife, Jezebel, that, that, she, that she wants him dead because of what happened there at that, at that time. And so Elijah goes, and he goes and hides in a cave. After experiencing God, having a, a, a high of God in that moment, and, and just seeing God in a powerful way, he then goes and he hides and retreats in fear of his life because of some queen of Ahab who said, I'm going to take your life away from you because of what happened that day. And in that, you should read it, in that, in 1 Kings 19, you hear about when Elijah was there and it says that there was this earthquake and then there, there was this fire and there was this wind that came and it says that God wasn't in it. But then it says, then there was a quiet, still voice. And it was him. I mean, that's it. You want to hear from God? It's not in the mass experiences. You want to hear from God? It's in the quietness. It's in the times where you go and you retreat. My life is so busy. My schedule is so full. And you're like, I can't afford not to get away and just realign my life with God so that I don't let it slip away. So I don't become, my true self doesn't become missing. It's your time to make a U-turn. A famous, familiar story is in Luke 10, 38. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into, into her home. It says in verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted. You know this, right? Church people, come on. Martha was busy and she was distracted and she had this to do and that to do and here to go and there to go. She was just distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him 
and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? I'm doing all the serving. Nobody else is serving. She's just not, you know, she's just listening to you. I'm doing all the serving, and she was just doing her thing. She said, can you tell, tell her to help me? But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Can anybody relate here in this room? I can. Come on, let's be real here. You're bothered and worried about so many things. So what do we do when we're distracted and bothered and worried about so many things? Look what he says. Verse, but one thing is necessary. Wait, I can think of like 25 things that are necessary in my life. And Jesus narrows it down. One thing. One thing is necessary in your life. And Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know what he meant by that? He meant by that is that when we leave this place and all the things that you achieved and all the things that you accomplished and all the things that you accumulated, and all the things that you thought were important, and all the times that you were gaining the whole world, but yet in the process you were losing your true self, that's all going to be gone. That's all going to be taken away. And I know you're important. I get it. You're important. I get it. But you're going to be forgotten. You're going to be forgotten. But what will never be taken away from you is the times that you spent at the feet of Jesus because those things are forever. Those things last. Those things carry into eternity. Don't gain the whole world and lose your true self of being God has always intended you to be. But you got to know. Here's what you need to know. There's a roaring lion who wants to devour you. We know that from 1 Kings 20. You want to read what happened? This is, I love it. You got to read the Bible. It's amazing. Now a certain man of sons of prophets said to another, by the word of the Lord, please strike me. But the, but the man refused to strike him. Then he said to him, because you have not listened to the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as you have departed from me, a lion will kill you. And as soon as he has departed from him, a lion found him and killed him. And you know what that picture is for us? Here's the picture for us. First Peter, be of sober spirit. Be on alert. Who's the hardest person to guard? You. You. Be on alert. You gotta be careful. You gotta watch out. Jesus, remember Jesus told his disciples in the garden, like, watch out. 
Keep praying. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There's an enemy, and you know what he wants? He wants your life to slip through the cracks. And he wants you to lose your true self and who you are in Christ Jesus. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Nothing. Nothing. So live like that. Live that way. And make today your you turn. I'm going to choose the good part. And I'm going to take time, even when the expectations are high, even when the distractions are there, even when, you know, the obligations, I'm going to take time to slip away and to spend some time with Jesus because that's the one necessary thing. So two things before I close in prayer. Two things. Don't give in to distractions. Don't give in to distractions. Second thing, don't give up on discipleship. Don't give in to distractions. We live in a world full of them. Don't give in. And don't give up on discipleship. What do I mean by that? Don't give up on becoming who God wants you to become. And that's more like Jesus every single day. You, like Jesus at your job, is the best place to work. You, like Jesus in your home, is the best home to live in. You like Jesus on the basketball court or the field or whatever it is, the sport, sporting event, is the best kind of athletics that you can be a part of or whatever it is that your hobby is. Those are the best. Don't give in and don't give up. You're the hardest person to guard. And it takes a little bit of distraction and a little bit of busyness to ultimately allow your true self to be gone. Father, so much easier said than done. We all understand this. We all get this. We all, at some point or another, sense this. Get so caught up in going here or there, and I just pray, God, that we just create that margin, create that space in our life to know that we are so busy that we can't afford not to pray. And to find that quiet place and to slip away to 
whatever our wilderness is, to just be present with you and to pause and to stop and to recognize that what you've called us to be in our jobs and in our families and in our lives where we do life, that you've called us to just be more like you and to exhibit that and to show that to a world that needs to know that they can also find their true self, the self that you made when you made us, that you've always intended us and want us to be, a self that has Christ in us, the hope of glory. I pray, Lord, that we make a U-turn in this area. Make a U-turn in Jesus' name. Amen.